Hey, thanks again for joining us online today and for worshiping together with us. Have I told you lately uh, that I miss you like crazy and I cannot wait until the day comes where we can gather together again to worship corporately, uh, to love on each other, encourage each other. Uh, it's going to be a beautiful day and I hope you're looking forward to it as much as I am. Uh, but even though I'm eagerly anticipating that day, I know that in the midst of this valley that we talked about last week, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. We're in a valley. Uh, the reality of the struggle is there. The struggle is real, right? But I believe that as we're moving through this valley, that God is both with us and that God is developing something in us. I've been recognizing that as I've been spending time with God and really seeking Him in the midst of these challenges and hardships, that God is wanting to develop something in me as an individual and in us as a church, corporately, together. Not just Eastridge Church Addis, but the global church. And I believe one of the things that God is wanting to develop in us is a greater level of faith. And I want to talk to you today about developing your faith and feeding your faith. I heard a message this last week uh, by Pastor Craig Groeschel, and I want to share much of what I heard in that message with you today because it spoke so powerfully to my life, and I believe that it is a, a very timely message for the church. And uh, so I want you to hear it today. But before we get to that, would you pray with me? Let's ask God to help us be open to receive what he wants us to hear and receive from him today. God, we thank you again today that you are alive, you are well, you are mindful and aware of who we are, where we're at, what we're dealing with. God, you don't leave us to, to navigate these challenges alone. We thank you, God, that you are with us, that your rod and your staff, they comfort us, that you walk with us in the valley, through the valley. God, we thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And God, I thank you that you are developing something in us in the midst of these challenging times. I thank you, God, for your promise that Jesus himself said that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I thank you, God, that you are shaping, developing, and that you are bringing us to a place that you want and need us to be as your church so that as we go forward, we can continue to see your kingdom expanded. So today, Lord, would you do that in us? Lord, we open our hearts and our minds to hear your word, to receive from your, from your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would develop something in us that needs developing. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, the message that I heard this last week, the title of the message by Pastor Craig Rochelle is Enough of the Bad News. Anybody uh, out there tired of all of the bad news? We are so inundated with bad news these days that uh, we're, we're getting tired of it. In fact, I know that there are some others who are looking for some good news because I came across uh, a thing on YouTube, a little a new a faux network. It's not a real news network, but um, John Krasinski from the, the TV show The Office, he started this funny little thing called Some Good News. Uh, it's the Some Good News Network. And 
He does these fun little things where he's just bringing good news from around the world. And interestingly enough, he has almost two and a half million subscribers to his YouTube channel, Some Good News. So uh, that's probably a good, pretty good indication that we're not the only ones who are looking for some good news because we're so tired of all of the negative news. The message that uh, Pastor Craig uh, brought that I heard this last week uh, was about optimism. And I know that optimism for some may not sound or feel like a, a spiritual concept, but I believe that God desires for us as his followers to be optimistic. Uh, and, and it's difficult to do in the midst of all of the negative news, but I believe that he wants us to do that. I don't want to make light of the fact that there's a lot of bad news and there are a lot of things, a lot of really heavy things that we're, that we're wrestling with and dealing with. Of course, uh, the news, constant news of more people being testing positive and so sickness is, is very real. Even death amongst the sickness is very real and those are, are heavy things. I'm not trying to make light of that. You know, there, there are other very real, difficult, challenging things that we're hearing in the news and, and wrestling with ourselves. Some of you uh, dealing with the reality of, uh, of losing your jobs or you're concerned about losing your jobs. Uh, beyond that, we're concerned about whether or not the economy is going to survive this massive blow that COVID is, is having uh, on our economy. Um, you know, the, the pervasive message throughout the news today is that it is the end of the world as we know it, that we will never go back to the world that we once knew, that everything is changing. And most of that is being fed by negative news. In fact, in Ethiopia, we know that in addition to that, uh, there's a lot of negative uh, news around um, politics and uh, the nation is divided and nobody really uh, can come together and agree on the way forward as a nation on many fronts. And so just inundated by lots of negative news. And while the struggle is real and we acknowledge that, I believe that God desires for us to be a positive, to be light in the midst of darkness. And that's difficult to do. It's difficult to remain optimistic in the midst of all the negative news. We just so easily get sucked into all of the negativity and that negativity has very real potential to influence our thinking, our thought lives. It has the potential to uh, influence our emotions as we've talked about before. And, and in that, as our thoughts, our thinking, our emotions are influenced by the negativity, ultimately that has the potential to influence our lives and how we live our lives. And I hope you realize today that without me even saying it, that we've got to be very careful that we're not influenced the way that the enemy would want to influence us, but that we allow the things of God to influence and shape the way we live, the way we act, the way we interact, our emotions, our attitudes, our, our, the way we talk to people, the way we care for people. And it's going to be very difficult to do that if all we fill our minds and lives with is this negativity. Amen. So today I want to talk uh, and give some advice, the same advice that I was given through this message this week. And it is this. We need to be wise. Of course, we need to do what we're being encouraged to do. We need to continue to uh, practice the social distancing. We need to wash our hands 
uh, more often than we, than we normally would. We, we need to wear the masks when it's appropriate to wear those masks. Those things are important. But above all those things, as followers of Jesus, as the body of Christ, there's something else that we need to fight for. We need to fight to remain positive, to stay positive. Can you look at somebody in the room or shout it out? Maybe there's nobody even there to hear you. Maybe you can type it into the chat there, but we need to stay positive. Somebody say it, stay positive. That's what we need to be exhibiting in our world today. But how many of you know that's hard to do when we're so inundated with all the negativity? And so that's why I want to talk to you today about uh, being optimistic, optimism. Uh, what I want you to understand is that when we, when we use this word, when I use the word optimism, I'm not talking about denying reality, right? We just talked about the reality of the negative news and that, that it's very real. The struggle is real. We're not talking about burying our heads in the sand and just pretending like everything is okay. That's not what we're doing when we talk about being optimistic. We're also not talking about just blind faith that says, oh, God will take care of it. We need, don't need to do anything. You know, it's going to be okay. You know, we don't, we don't need to respond or react. You know, God's got this in his hands. We believe that he does, but we also know that part of it is on us and that we are a reflection of God to the world around us, that we are the bearers of good news in the midst of all of the bad news. And so we have a responsibility as followers of Christ, to bring positive, bring good news, and to bring light in the midst of darkness. And so we're not talking about denial of reality. We're not talking about blind faith. But what we are talking about is really close to what you find in the dictionary as a definition to uh, optimism. The dictionary defines it like this. Confidence about the future or the successful outcome of something. So here's the difference. We're not in the world, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And so because we have some additional things to add to this concept of optimism, I want us to be careful that we don't just take the, the, uh, the dictionary definition as our own, but that we add to it the promises of scripture, that we add to our optimism, the, the faithfulness of our God. And so here is the way that I heard it defined by Pastor Craig Rochelle this week. I thought it was so powerful. I think it's going to, going to be an encouragement to you as well. He said this, that optimism as a Christian is defined like this. It is unwavering expectation that our loving God is working in every situation for our future good. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that good? Let me just read it to you one more time in case you, you missed part of it. He says, it is unwavering expectation that our loving God is working in every situation for our future good. Well, how do we know that? Romans chapter 8 is where we're going to land this morning. And one of the verses in Romans chapter 8, we read that Paul says this. He says, and we know that in all things, type it into the chat room, say it to your neighbor, in all things, not some things, not a few things, not in the things that he chooses to be uh, used, but in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That means that even in bad situations, even when life isn't going the way that you want it to go, that we have good, not just good, we have 
great reason to be incredibly optimistic. Incredibly optimistic. Now, I know that that's hard for some of us because maybe we have labeled ourselves or we have been labeled as pessimistic. I know I've done this myself. In fact, I can think of one or two of you that we've had this conversation and, and we have labeled uh, people, maybe I've even labeled you, and I apologize if I've done this, as pessimistic. Because here's the reason that you're not pessimistic as a follower of Jesus. Because the problem with pessimism is that it lacks hope. It is void of hope. But as followers of Christ, we know that we have hope. And so we don't have reason or excuse to be pessimistic. But rather that if we put our hope in Christ, then we should have a tendency towards optimism rather than the other way around. So I want us to take a moment today and I want us to think about what we think about. I know that's a little bit of a tongue twister there, but take a moment. So let's pause. We've been talking about pause in the weeks before but let's pause right now, and I want you to think about what fills your mind. What do you think about? How, do your, how does your thought life go? What fills your mind? What consumes your thought life? Obviously, in these times, it, it can, we can have a tendency to be uh, so inundated with the negative thoughts that that's where our minds go. And there's a, a concern with that because... What consumes our thoughts will control our lives. What consumes our thoughts will dictate the way we live our lives, the attitudes that we carry, the way we decide, the way we interact. And so we've got to be really careful about controlling our thoughts. And, and I know that some may not, may, may not recognize that we have the ability and the confidence to control our thoughts, but the Bible tells us that we should take captive every thought and bring it into submission to the will of God. And so we, we know from Scripture that, that our thought life is our choice. We choose what we think about and what will consume our thought lives. And so I want us to, to just recognize that, that, that what happens when we are controlled by negativity, when negativity comes in and controls our thought lives is, because of the void, the void of hope, the absence of hope, then what happens is it leads us to a victim mentality. And there's this idea of permanence in uh, that victim mentality. And we begin to have thoughts, maybe even express ideas like, this virus is unstoppable. I don't think we're ever going to get control uh, over this virus. Or thoughts or comments like, I don't think the economy is ever going to rebound from the devastation that, that it's experiencing. Uh, I think we're going to be wearing masks for the rest of our lives. And, you know, there's, there are words that are used that communicate permanence. Um, and that in our home, we, we call each other out. Oftentimes when somebody uses words like always or never or everyone, We'll say, wait a second, those are strong words. Are we really talking about always, never, everyone? And, and we'll call each other on that because what it does is it, it eliminates hope. It, it, it makes it a definite. And, and so it doesn't give room for God to work in our hearts, in our minds. The reality is this, no matter what we think or how we feel, God can always work. 
All things are possible with God. And yet sometimes we don't leave that room and that space or have that faith to believe God. And, and our negative thoughts spiral us into this place of, uh, of things and thoughts and ideas that really don't give room to God the way that we need to give room to him. One of the statements that was made in this message that I was listening to this week was this. We as followers of Christ, we need to feed faith and starve fear. I love that because we know that anything you feed grows. That's the natural repercussion of things. Anything you feed grows. It happens in nature. It happens in our lives, in different aspects of our, of our lives. If we feed it, it grows. If we starve it, it fades and ultimately it dies. And so as we're thinking about the things that we want to grow in our lives, we got to understand our obligation, our responsibility is to feed those things that we desire to grow. And the things that we don't want in our lives, of course, then we need to starve those things. And I, I recognize that, um, that there's a problem for many of us because uh, because of the, the lives that we live, because of the information overload, because of the, the direct access to media, you know, we've got any, any information we want or need is at our fingertips. You know, we can ask Siri to look something up for us or we jump online or we just watch it on the news. And, and so because of those things, we continue, maybe not even intentionally, but we continue to feed and consume those negative things that just develop and give room for growth to the fear, the anxiety, all of the emotions that come, the doubt, the concern. And here we go into this spiral again, this downward spiral. And, and so uh, I, don't, I know that I don't need to tell you today how to starve the negative things in your life or to starve fear and anxiety. It will look different for each person. Uh, but the reality is you know what develops, what causes fear and anxiety in your life. But I want to encourage you that you define, identify those things and begin to cut them out of your life. Last, the last couple of weeks I've said, you know what, push pause on the newsfeed. I know it's important to stay informed, but inform yourself uh, a small amount and move on. Uh, the, the news will probably change before tomorrow. You don't need to be updated every moment of every day. And so be informed, but then move on and, and then begin to apply faith to the reality of what we're facing. And so I'd rather spend a little bit more time today looking at scripture and looking at how we feed our faith. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God wants to develop a greater level of faith in my life and in your life. I know that that's important to the development and the building of his kingdom in your life and in the world around us. And so I want us to, to look at uh, a few more verses in Romans chapter 8. I want to give you uh, something to focus your thoughts on in the right direction. So we know that uh, Romans is written by Paul and that Paul in Romans chapter 7, he's wrestling out this battle between the flesh and the spirit. He talks about how, you know, I, I know the things I ought to do, but I don't do them. I know the things I ought not to do, but I do them anyway. And so he's talking about this wrestle between spiritual things and fleshly things. 
And then in Romans chapter 8, we find him dive into uh, the beauty of life in the Spirit and how we can walk in the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, and, and what that develops in our life. And about halfway through uh, Romans chapter 18 uh, is where I'm going to start in verse, excuse me, Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 18. But before I do that, I want you to remember, and if you're not already aware, I'll fill you in. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we have a list of struggles, uh, suffering, things that Paul went through, and, and he's talking about all of these challenges that he faced in life. Let me just give you a, a little bit of that list that he shares. You can look at it uh, in more detail if you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. But he says, listen guys, I've been put in prison more than all of you. Uh, I, uh, I've been severely flogged or beaten. Uh, I've been exposed to death again and again. Three times beaten with rods. I've been stoned. I've been shipwrecked three times. Uh, and one time, uh, all day, for one day and one night, I was uh, stranded at sea, lost at sea. So he's out there. Can, you can picture him clinging to a piece of wood, maybe part of a broken ship. And he's out there just all by himself in the middle of the sea through one day and through the night. Uh, but the, regardless of, of any one of those individual things, the reality is he's got a long list. He's got a resume of suffering. And for good reason, he could complain. He could look at those things as negative. He could allow those to influence his thought life. The reality is he had it difficult. There were a lot of things that did not go well or the way that he wanted them to. Last week, last week, a couple weeks ago, we talked about Paul and we talked about how he was given uh, it was given to him a thorn in his flesh. He pleaded with God to take it away. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. So I'm going to get to that in just a moment. But the reality uh, of Paul's life is this. He experienced a lot of suffering. Uh, he went through some difficult things. And although he faced those things, what we read in verse 18 is powerful and encouraging. So keep those suffering, the things that the list of suffering that I just mentioned, keep that in mind. And let me read for you this verse. It says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Let me say it again. I consider, Paul, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And so basically he's saying, listen, if anybody's had it bad, it's been me. If anybody's had it hard, it's been me. But I don't even think about comparing those things or, or even giving light to those things because I know that what God desires to do in my life, the glory that he will reveal in me, makes those things not even worth talking about. Man, that's powerful, especially as you consider all that Paul went through. I remember many years ago, I remember hearing a message. The only thing I remember from the message was one line that has stuck with me for years. I've shared it before, but maybe this will be your first time hearing it. It was powerful, powerful for me then, and it is today, and maybe it will be for you as well. The, the, the words, the line was this, God is preparing you every day for what he has in store for you next. The, the powerful th thing about this idea is that the struggles of today produce 
the necessary strength for tomorrow. We talked about that in Paul, that Paul had to endure. God allowed him to endure that thorn in his flesh because he was developing something in Paul that needed to be developed so that God could build his church, develop his kingdom through the life of Paul. It doesn't, doesn't mean that we make light of the, the difficult situations, but we have to recognize that there's a development in us. There's a strength. There's a fortitude. There's something that is forged in us in the midst of our struggles that helps prepare us for what God wants to do in and through our lives going forward. That's what is promised there in Romans 8.28 where he says that God is working in all things good for our future. He knows what's coming down the road for us, and he's developing us, preparing us for those things. You know, this is incredible reason for us to have that unwavering expectation that God is working in all things for our good, for the good of our future. You know, if we move on in Romans chapter 8 to verse 26, the very beginning of, of verse 26, it says this. It says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Can I just tell you that this was so encouraging to me? Because if I'm being really honest with you this morning, there are many times in the last month or so, six weeks or so, that I have been completely overwhelmed. I, I have felt incapable. I have felt completely unsure of the decisions that I need to make, unsure of how to lead my family, uh, how to lead our church what messages to preach, even this message today. I was concerned because a lot of this content is not my own and, and it's uncomfortable for me to bring a message that, that God hasn't dropped specifically in my heart for me to share with you. But nonetheless, I believe that he did drop it in my heart, but that it's just been given to me from a, a different source. And so the, the point is this, uh, in, the, in the midst of feeling overwhelmed, feeling incapable, feeling unsure about myself and, and how to lead, how to be the father I need to be, the husband I need to be, the pastor that I need to be. It, it's an incredibly encouraging to me to know that the Holy Spirit is bringing me strength in my weakness. In fact, we know that scripture says that it's in our weakness that his strength is made perfect. And I, I needed to hear that. I needed that encouragement so that I can know that no matter what I'm going through, that I'm not going through it alone. We talked about the same thing last week, that as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because I know that God is with me. Not only that, that his Holy Spirit brings strength where I'm weak and that his word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The good news for all of us today is this. If you're hurting, guess what? God is your comfort. If you're confused, guess what? God is your guide. If you're discouraged, God is your hope. Anxious, God is your peace. If you're weak, God is your strength. That's incredible news for us as we continue to walk through this valley that we are faced with. You know, probably the most encouraging part of this chapter is the last few verses. Verses 35 and then verses 37 through 39. I want to read them to you as we uh, conclude the message today. 
It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So Paul is asking the readers and he's asking us. I want you to ask yourself this question that Paul uh, is asking. It's a rhetorical question that he ends up answering himself uh, in a, a few verses later. But he asks the question, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And he goes on and he asks if there's anything. Is there, shall trouble or hardship or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. And then jumping to verse 37, it says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And then he says with confidence, he says, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, this is a really great argument for how and why we can have an unwavering expectation that even when things are not going right, even when things are bad, when situations are hard, that the Lord is working all things, in all things, for the good of those who love him. He's got a good future for our lives, and we can trust him. We can have an unwavering faith and expectation that God is at work. You know, I want to just ask you today, has your, has your faith been waning? Has your faith been wavering? Has your mind been overwhelmed with such negativity that you have found yourself struggling with the wrong kind of thoughts, the, the ideas that feel permanent? Like, we're, I don't know that we're ever going to get through this. I don't know if we're ever going to make it. I don't know if the world's ever going to be the same. I don't know if the economy is going to be able to, 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 to rebound from this. If you've been struggling with your faith, I hope that this message from Paul in Romans chapter 8 has been an encouragement to you today. I realize that I, I jumped around and I skipped over a lot of the verses there. And for that reason, I want to encourage you to take time this week to read through Romans chapter 8. Some of it's pretty deep. It's pretty, pretty heavy. Um, but I believe that God will reveal himself to you and he will speak into your life, speak into your situation through his word. And I want to encourage you to take some time. Maybe you go verse by verse and just take your time working through it methodically. But I believe that God's word is alive and it will build your faith. It will build your hope. And I know that we all need a little bit of that in these days. Can I pray with you this morning? God, I thank you that you are building our lives. You are building our hope and our faith that although many things in our lives are being shaken, there's lots of uncertainty, that we have reason to stay positive, that we have good reason to have an unwavering expectation and faith because you are a faithful God. In fact, Lord, your word tells us that even in our unfaithfulness, you remain faithful. It's who you are. And so God, I pray this morning, that you would build our faith, that you would help us to feed our faith. God, we know that the, the world is full of bad news, negative news, and that God, in the midst of that, you need us. We need to be 
good news. Bring the good news. Bring light in the midst of darkness. Lord, that that you will use us to encourage, that you will use us to build up and to strengthen and to support, to encourage. I believe, God, that every setback is a setup for you. And I, I, I know, I believe, God, that right in the midst of this hardship, right in the midst of this valley, that you desire to build your church and that you would be glorified. And I, I know, God, that on the other side of this, that your church is going to be stronger, that people's hearts are going to be turned to you because they're scared and there's anxiety and there's negativity. And Lord, I pray that you would help us as your church to have strong faith and to, to stand on that faith. And Lord, that we would be the light that people are looking for, that we would be the hope that people are looking for in the midst of the challenges that our world is facing today. I pray these things in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Listen, I also want to just address another, uh, another issue today. You know, there's plenty of bad news. We've already acknowledged that. Plenty of very real, very bad news, things that we're struggling with. The worst of that news is that each one of us makes mistakes. We all fail. We all hurt people. We all say things that we didn't mean to say. We want to take those words back. We all, we all have things in our lives that we carry guilt and shame because of. And maybe you're hearing or watching today and you're, you're carrying some of that guilt, some of that shame, and you have not found freedom from that guilt and shame. And maybe you've not known how to do that. You know, that shame, that guilt, those things that we have done to fail and make mistakes, the Bible calls those things sin. And because of our sin, we are separated from relationship with God, separated from our Creator. God didn't intend for us to live outside of right relationship with Him, but our sin took us to that place. And if you're listening or watching today and you know that you're in a place where you're still battling with, with sin and shame and guilt in your life, and you'd like to be free from that today, I want to say a prayer with you because the good news, the best news is that God didn't just leave us in that place of separation, but he made a way for us. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. God gave his son, Jesus, to pay the price, to pay the penalty for our sin so that we could be made right with God, so that we could have and have eternal life, not just life here on earth, but eternal life. And he wants to come and meet you right where you are today. He wants to help you deal with the guilt and the shame that you carry because of your sin and your mistakes. And so I want to say a prayer with you this morning if you're in that place. Would you pray this prayer after me? Dear God, I recognize that I have sin and I'm dealing with shame and guilt in my life. God, I thank you that you have given your son Jesus so that I can be made right with you. God, I desire to have that relationship, to be in right relationship with you. God, would you come into my life? Would you forgive me of my sin? And God, would you make me new? Would you give me a fresh start today? Jesus, I thank you that you gave your life for me, that you paid the price for me. I received that gift that you came to give to me. I accept it 
and I receive you, receive you as my Lord and my Savior today. And I thank you for dying on that cross for me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Listen, I, I love each and every one of you. I know that God's got a good plan for your life. And so I want to just encourage you to lean into those things, to continue to feed your faith this week. Spend some time, daily 20. I want to just continue to encourage us as a family to, to take 20 minutes a day to spend time in God's Word, reading God's Word, spend time praying, bringing our requests to God, spend time in worship, just thanking Him for who He is, and then spend time listening, listening for His voice. He desires to, to, to speak to you, to speak into your life. And I want to encourage you not to just rush through it, but to take time to pause and to listen and to hear what God has to say to you. God bless. Have a great week.